Well, everyone, welcome back to Season 1, Episode 30 of Digital Dissection, a nerd podcast, where today we have yet another special guest with us. We have Kevin from KevinTheCritic.com, uh, helping us talk about Ready Player One. So we're looking at life in the Oasis, sometimes and how it was different in literature than it was on screen, and how we kind of like some characters more than our hero. But before we do hop back into the Oasis, if you got here because 80% of your screen was covered in ads, or because you're grinding to afford a haptic suit that leaves very little to the imagination, we're Chelsea, Joe, and Mark, three friends who occasionally can't always record together, but bring some great guests to help us along the way. If you need to find us, though, we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Try typing in Digital Dissection, a nerd podcast, or our handle at Digital Dissect One. Hopefully, that'll get you to us in a timely fashion. So, without further ado, let's hop back into that oasis and see what Kevin the Critic is thinking about Gunters, Sixers, and Corn Syrup Drops. Folks, occasionally we do contests on Twitter, and we always remember them, but it might seem like we don't, <laughs> which brings us <laughs> to the topic of Ready Player One. So we actually ran a Twitter poll, I want to say just about a month ago, and uh, Ready Player One was one of the topics that was in there. Uh, we covered almost everything else that was included so far, which uh, was uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone Week, which y'all have absolutely loved. Um, but we wanted to make sure that we didn't forget about this film because we were very big fans of it. And along the way, uh, one of our friends here uh, on, on Twitter actually decided to join in with us. So this week, helping us break down the film is Kevin, the critic. Kevin, how are we doing tonight? Uh, pretty, pretty good. I'm. I've been looking forward to this for a very for you know ever since you said you had me come on. You know, by rewatching the film again, probably. Be watching the film again all the way through since like, for the first time since I saw and reviewed it three years ago. Mm -hmm. That was a that was an unexpectedly interesting experience watching that movie now. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's there's a lot there's a lot going on in there that mm -hmm. is. Uh, whether intentional or not, I think it's. I think some parts of it might speak more, like might speak louder now than they did when it came out in 2018. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, and yeah. We'll, it, part of the reason we wanted to bring you in on this too was because you've actually been reviewing movies for quite a long time. I mean, as far back as 2005, right? Yeah, I, yeah, I've been I've been reviewing movies since I was ten. For you know, I started doing it for a local newspaper, and I did that up and you know up through college, and then you know, and then you know I had to get a had to like find a paying job, and so I couldn't do it as much. So yeah, money just all ruins right, all yeah, the fun, you know, man, it? money, adults, <laughs> adulting thing. You know, like you see, you know, you see your parent, like you're a kid, and you see your parents, like. You know, 
buying the food and going out to like going out to Bunko on Fridays, and you're like, this looks easy. And then you get to it yourself, you're like, oh, no, no, this is a horrible idea. <laughs> this is a, oh no. <laughs> Suddenly, my fruit snack limitation and uh, like bedtime oh, don't seem I, I like it's that restrictive. Yeah, and I can't. And, and wait, what? You mean I can't have McDonald's anymore without like physical consequences? Ooh, oh yeah. no! Oh my gosh! Uh, so you started reviewing for local paper when you were ten years uh, old. Yeah the 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 paper was running a con the paper was running a contest mm -hmm. where they they wanted a kid to send in a review of a movie. I had just seen you know the the first Madagascar movie. Okay. And oh, yeah. my parent and my parents suggested that you know my parents suggested that hey you know why why don't you write a review of this and send it in for this thing? I was like. Okay, fine. I'll you know I'll do it. I sent so I sent it in, and they liked it so they liked it so much that they you know asked me to come in and talk to them. And you know after meeting the after meeting the editor and his wife and all the all the people who worked there, they asked me if I wanted to be you know the official kid movie reviewer for them. Oh, and then cool. you know I was like, yeah. So you, you go back and read. It's like if you go back like to like the the farther pages of my site, you'll notice like almost every one of them is like a, a Disney movie or some kid movie. It's like, yeah, that's because I, that's what I could see at the time, <laughs> you know? So like, you're not going to find any, like, you know, upon release reviews of the departed on there, you know, 11 year old me was not watching the departed, but you know, but yeah, it, it's, it's been great to, yeah. And then in 2015, I started, mm -hmm. you know, with the help of, with the help of the newspaper editor's wife, I, you know, I, I set up, I set up my blog site, kevinthecreate.com mm -hmm. and, and, you know, established Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages that, you know, that I, that I monitor frequently and try to interact with people on. And, you know, it's, as it, a you know, Twitter is, uh, as mixed of a blessing as it can be is a, is a good space to talk a you know to just geek out any time of day so i try to use it for that <laughs> well and you've got a uh, i mean i really do appreciate your website because you know you you still do review animated films on there of course well, but then yeah. you've got you've got stuff from like independent creators you know you've got uh like the new marvel stuff on there too so i mean you're you're definitely covering a pretty you know, uh, broad area within cinema. Well, yeah, and the, and the thing about the and, and the thing about the independent stuff is like, like people, you know, like I like I don't like I don't find that like people people will sometimes email me and ask if they want me to review their stuff, and then I'll look at it and, and you know I'll, I'll normally you know I'll no, yeah like I'll, I'll normally do it. So that's where a lot of the the, the indie stuff comes from. The theaters in my in my hometown and up here where I am now, they don't. They mostly show just like big blockbusters and stuff. So the indie, so the way that I find out about the indie films is when like people send them is when like people send them to me like that. So yeah, that yeah, it's been an interesting experience seeing some of these indie films and seeing like what the creators are doing with you know, with smaller budgets and unknown casts and all of that stuff and comparing it to yeah. like, oh, wow, like they can, 
like people are always saying like oh you know how you know blockbusters always these, these huge expensive things like where the like where the human stories at and like well the human stories are in, are in independent films and companies you've never heard of but yeah you know, yeah. But yeah you have to that's the thing like and yeah like just seeing what the and seeing what these you know upcoming you know and seeing what these directors and writers and crews are able to do with significantly less money than a lot of the big studio guys, mm-hmm. it's really mm-hmm. interesting, like how much how much more emphasis they seem to place on, you know, like character and making sure that the dialogue sounds good and make it's like little things that invest the things that, like get us invested in a story or the people in it because mm-hmm. they don't have two hundred million dollars to spend on a big explosion or you know a, a <laughs> or a much finer. Much finer craft service that you would get on a, uh, on a <laughs> movie set, well, which we recently well, learned is that is the biggest way you can tell the difference if you're on set for a, a blockbuster versus an independent movie is the quality oh, of food. Yeah, you can. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we, so we talked we talked to actor Dean Bahar who starred in uh, Basketball and okay. Orgasmo and uh, a couple other you know movies here, and he mentioned that specifically that the the craft services <laughs> is. Was one of the biggest <laughs> distinguishing uh, factors between between the set you're on. Um, uh, well, and, uh, uh, yeah. well, uh, all I can say is I hope that I know that uh, Space Jam and New Legacy had some production problems that have come out recently. I, I hope that at least the craft the craft services were <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, well, like that's the story that I'm waiting for. It's like okay, so we, like, mm-hmm. that's the story I'm waiting for. It's like you know, I'm not going to get into what happen with it. like there's some conferences around but like i'm just waiting for the story now it's like and they didn't pay the craft services yeah <laughs> didn't tip the well, waiters or anything well like <laughs> speaking of like like space jam one thing that they did in this movie was something they did a lot yeah like, player one was the amount of oh, cameos and yeah. the yeah. universe okay stuff. okay so, so yeah, yeah. you know what that i you know so watching when i saw the trailers for space jam 2 the the, the very thing i thought was like Oh, so you're making Ready Player One for kids and fifty-year-old mm-hmm. and people who are forty now who grew up with Space Jam, or like people who are like t- my age now, like like mm-hmm. twenty something. Like, yeah, like Space Jam Two to me is like like Ready Player One for mm-hmm. kids and twenty-five-year-olds, <laughs> and Ready Player One is itself for like people mm-hmm. who love pop culture and playing the like on the surface level, it's like. People who love pop culture, love playing the like spot the IP game, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and people who people who are really into video games and just yeah. you know the worlds of them. That's something. That's that's I guess like to get it, the subject on track. That that's one of the things that I liked about it, and that, mm-hmm. that I liked about it, like when I saw it then, and especially when I saw it now, was like the animation style that they use when they're in the Oasis. Yeah, is really really like it i mean this this could be a positive or negative depending on who you are it's a positive for me Mm -hmm. um when they're in the oasis it looks like you know at that point like it it would be like a ps3 game or something like a high you know a high quality graphics video game Mm -hmm. world in the way that they move and everything like that so on that level of it i think the visuals of this thing are still impressive now like three years oh absolutely 
Mm-hmm. Well, and then take into consideration too. I mean, obviously Steven Spielberg directed this film, oh, but yeah. he's he's also reunited with uh, cinematographer Janusz Kaminski, who he worked with on Saving Private Ryan. And so there's there's at least yeah, there's some collaborative as, stuff there. As a heads up uh, with Janusz Kaminski, if you happen to live um, in the Upper West Side. And your power goes out. Janos will come to make sure you and your family are okay. For the, yeah, for the, yeah. Yeah. I actually, I didn't know that they, I didn't know that he worked on this. But and yeah, that, that's another thing that I thought for for the most part was really good was like the the way that the the way that most of this is shot. It's like the and this this thing is in the trailer with like the the way that it the shot where it transitions from wade putting on his goggles and then going into the oasis as we're like doing this this widespread shot about like all the different worlds and stuff it's like it immerses you immediately into it mm-hmm. and you know and in the moment it's like it there's a sense of wonder to it in that you know it, when it transitions there that i think they really need to nail or else i would have been like oh yeah. like having something that graphically or like visually look horrible at that point we just check well, you out because you know you're spending a good chunk of the movie there well, and that and that's and that's another thing about it that on first viewing surprised me was like so I saw the movie in 2018 with my sister, who's not at, who's not nearly as familiar as like pop culture and IPs and stuff as I am, or video games. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't do video games, yeah. and she wasn't a huge fan of this because of all of the like referencing and stuff like that. She didn't recognize the time of it or get the terms that they were using. Mm-hmm. And to her, the trailer did not give the impression that as large a portion of it that's animated would be animated. Mm-hmm. That's something that, and for me, once I realized probably about like 45 minutes in that it was going to be mostly an animated film with like occasional cutbacks to him sitting in his chair, like the, or, you know, what, Nolan Sorrento in his office, things like that. Like once I realized mm-hmm. it was going to be primarily animated, I was like, okay, great. I'm in the right headspace now. Like, so yeah, I like it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think so yeah, the animation style that they use is like perfectly representative of what most high-end video games look like at that time, which they needed to nail. Yeah, uh, I think that yeah, I think that was probably the single most important thing they needed to get right in order for mm-hmm. this to work, even a little bit, and they did. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think it's it's probably important to paint a, a little bit of a picture for the folks that may not. I was just thinking, have yeah. yeah. familiar yeah. here. Yeah, and I, and I can. <laughs> No, no, yeah. no, and I can, no, oh, no, 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 I can do that, and I, and I can do that. Um, so, uh, in a, and this is one of these, and this is one of the elements of the movie that 2018. Okay, you go with it. Now you're like, oh god, <laughs> um, in a in a world where people have, in the, in a world where things have gotten so difficult that people basically have given up trying to solve anything and just want to like be inside all the time mm-hmm. um you know there's a there is this ultra powerful piece of video gaming technology of technology that allows people to go inside of this huge mmorpg video game thing called the oasis the creator of the thing the creator of the thing passed on a while ago and 
set up this contest where the winner of it would would basically get was it it's like a they get like a trillion dollars in stock options or something. Oh yeah, and control of it. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. Right? Like, like I wrote in my review back in, back in the day, it's like like what if a three year old wins it? What are you gonna do? Like spend all the trillion dollars on lollipops or something? <laughs> like what are the what are the limits of this thing? Like like if a I'm just imagining like a oh, like five-year-old kid winning this and be like, I'm on every Power Ranger and Sonic toy ever. It's like, oh, not the money. But, but, it, but anyway, our main a five-year-old main, in a haptic suit would be a sight to behold. You know, I, 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 I think we actually do see that in the opening bit of it. Like, we're, we're seeing all these people in their haptic suits. Mm-hmm. Like, or we see so... Yeah. Anyway, our, our main guy is Wade Watts. He's like an he's a he's a pop culture guru. He knows everything about the game creators. He's been trying to figure out you know how to solve how to solve the mystery that he left behind. And over the course of trying to do that, he you know he discovers that totally not Google has nefarious plans for you know the Oasis and uh, yeah basically. Yeah, this evil internet company, this evil company run, this company run by an evil dude, Nolan Sorrento, wants to basically monetize the Oasis and put ads up. Which I yep. was like, wait, he wants it this- somewhere between early internet pop-ups and how cable industries well, run their television packages. Yeah, and, yeah. and you know, like, when I was watching it this time, I was like, wait. So is ad blocker no longer a thing? Because it won't be when that man has control. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or it will, but you've got yeah, to pay no, for that. No, yeah, and yeah, so yeah, that's the, and my. I love his introduction scene where he's like trying to sell this idea to his people. He's like, "We our studies have shown that we can cover the screen like eighty percent of the screen without causing seizures." Yeah, that's a great line. I love that's my favorite line of his in the entire movie because it's like, as cynical as this is, I can almost imagine some business person maybe thinking that. Like, they wouldn't Mm -hmm. say it out loud, but like, maybe no, but yeah, uh, but yeah, that's basically the deal. Like, they Wade teams up with with other with other gamers to try and mm-hmm. like stop the evil come stop the company from taking over and solve the yep. mystery of the creator. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm just trying not. No, to no, 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 it's totally okay. No, no, you, I think I think what you did was great because you're 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 laying out exactly the heart of and like you, you laid out the plot for the movie, but we haven't mm-hmm. given away all the finer details. This is what's yeah. going on in the movie: is you've got big corporate jack wagon, and then you've got our <laughs> Our nice independent um, heroes of the film Hero, trying to keep it wait. so that the Oasis is not going to be some cluttered corporate mess, and they yeah. want to make it so it's it is what it currently is, uh, or at least like that's that's also yeah. we start out with the movie is they want to keep it free, and that's that's their yeah. only goal. As well, our characters push through and evolve, and their wants for the Oasis also change. And in the spirit of the Oasis creator James Halliday. You know his his whole focus behind this was not to to sell it out and and not to make it into this you know basically like a corporate hell space like a lot of things tend to be after a while yeah um, and and it's it's set in the year twenty forty five and it's set against this this kind of strange landscape where we've got I wouldn't call it post apocalyptic but it's definitely dystopian you know mm-hmm. there's yeah. there's uh, environmental yeah. issues in the planet you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is kind of a 
uh, unfortunately bleak view well, of the next 25 years. Well, yeah, and, again, like, and the thing about that, you know, like, the, something that I something that I like about the book is that it spends the book is about like 450 pages long or so, mm -hmm. and it spends literally the first hundred of those pages t getting you caught up on how the world got this way and how it works in a way that the movie doesn't have time to do. But mm -hmm. when I read it, I was like, okay, so now, because that was one of my problems with the movie, was it like, okay, so I'm not exactly sure how the real world got this way. The book explains that, yeah. as well as some finer details of like how the Oasis works and how people mm -hmm. do things in it. And I get why they cut some, and it's, it's things that I wish they would have put in the movie just briefly so that they could be like, okay, this is, it, it would have done a better job selling me on the movie's version of this world. Mm -hmm. um, but, but yeah, it's, but yeah, the, the, the world outside is, it's definitely a dystopian place. It's like trailer parks are, are like stacked on top of each other. That's how bad it the is. situation it's is. It is sprawling, burgeoning population of a metropolis that is Ohio mm -hmm. at this Just point. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> not, not again. As someone who is a proud resident of a flyover state, I'm not making fun of my friends in Ohio. <laughs> You're <laughs> making fun of the depiction of Ohio, not yes, actually yes, Ohio. Absolutely. <laughs> because in the movie, it just kind of gives us, like I said, that we don't really have an idea of the world no. outside of Ohio here. And yeah, Ohio yeah. is just kind of our, our glimpse that overpopulation is becoming yeah. to be an issue. And that's yeah. really but, all we have but in the movie. Keep in, that's it. Keep this in mind, though. Ohio in this mm. timeline and in this setting. Mm -hmm. is kind of viewed as an epicenter of the United States because that's yeah. that's how uh just just how that's where people went after some mm -hmm. of these uh I think they call it the, the the corn syrup shortages or yeah, whatever yeah, the it was. Corn yeah. syrup, like all the all these shortages <laughs> and all those these corn like, syrup wars. All, all yeah. these all these wars and things <laughs> and I'm like when the next 25 years are gonna suck. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, it's very. Mm -hmm. but yeah, it does. But yeah, it does a decent enough job of like saying like, okay, so the world is the world is going to hell, and so mm -hmm. at least on that level, I'm like, okay, I understand why people would want to escape into the oasis. Yeah, because if the world was as bad as it's portrayed in the film, it's like, yeah, it, it, you're, you're like an 18 year old. Like, hell, I'm playing. I've played video games all day. I don't know how to solve this. The correlations between this setting and mm -hmm. what we run into just in, in our lives here is that it's, it's kind of uh, an allegory to the sense that people have found different ways to escape reality with technology whether there are things like wars or famine or you know yeah. poverty that are that are taking over outside and so mm -hmm. That same escape idea is on full display in this oh, movie. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I think what the movie, again, also tries to establish here is, is that a good thing? Even though people who are in the Oasis and want to have it for what they conceive is to be the right reason, which is a non-corporate, like, crazy, mm -hmm. like, you know, 80% of my screen <laughs> yeah. not seizuring thing, yeah. is, even is even is that still, is that still the right way you're supposed to cope with your problems? And the movie does, does address that. Yeah, I think it... Mm -hmm. I think it 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 addresses. I think it. I think. I think the way it addresses it is mixed. I think sometimes. I think sometimes the way that it addresses the issue of like 
escaping reality and, and all that. Like sometimes it works. And then in the moment where they want to hit you hard emotionally at the end of it, I think that I see what they're trying to do, but the way that it's executed for me, I'm like, it doesn't work as well as they want it to. And I'm not sure if it's in the, mm-hmm. if it's in the writing or the performance. I don't know what it is. Like, it, it's just the way they, I think it might be like the way it's written in that scene at the end. I'm like, uh, I agree with this, but the way you're mm-hmm. saying it doesn't, it doesn't work as well as you think it is, at least for me. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let, let, let's look at this for a moment though, because mm-hmm. The people that do tend to have an issue with this movie, mm-hmm. they they tend to drive home the fact that in lieu of all of these references and all of these things that get thrown at you, mm-hmm. we really sacrifice character development quite a bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, you know? that was one that was one of the things that I had an issue with too. Yeah. You know, yeah, those things I had an issue with was that like, yes, you have this this great world and this animation and the action, but like, I don't get a good sense of who Wade Watts is outside mm-hmm. of. He loves pop culture, yep. and, yeah. and and that's a problem because like he's our main, he's your main character of the film, and he's like, mm-hmm. okay, Ty Sheridan is an he's a he's a good enough actor. I'm like, fine, but again, his personality, I'm like, you are literally just that. Like you're defined by your your love of pop culture, and then you yeah. read the book, and then you're like, oh wait, no, I know why they did that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, in, the, in the movie, we get Wade Watts, who at the start is like, I'm just full on pop nerd, nerd, yeah. and his his character development after that is just straight up start simping. Um, yeah, 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 no, he, oh no, he, he, yeah, he, he becomes, well, yeah. he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a simp, <laughs> he begins this, the movie is a holiday simp and he ends it as an, as an Artemis simp, like well, he just goes between different simpings, which well, again, it, it, the, the book, in the book, his character is given a lot of traits that are very unlikable, or it's like, you know, like, mm-hmm. I'm sure like in 2011, I'm, I can get why, but like reading it, reading it in, I think I read in 2019, Mm-hmm. Reading it then, I was horrified at like, oh, mm-hmm. well, yeah, I see why you did what you did. It was a good decision to make changes to his character that they did. Mm-hmm. Because although he's not as developed, he is more likable on screen. Okay. Well, he, he's, likable. He's, he's likable on screen, but where I kind of struggle with him as a main character is that in other films where you deal with a character who suffered quite a bit of loss or is an orphan, you know, like in the sense of what he yeah. is, or in a lot, mm-hmm. a lot of cases, uh, you know, folks like Peter Parker. Um, yeah. Every, know, every good hero yeah. is an orphan. That's how it works. Every single Marvel superhero. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, but those characters though, explore their grief in different ways, right? Like they, they have right. a, a sense of longing. There's a sense of, you know, needing to be a part of something. And, what ends up happening here isn't this like sense of I miss my my parents, you know, mm-hmm. or, uh, or my or my mom's sister. Yeah, yeah my oh mom's my sister. Who, hey. <laughs> okay, yeah, like but Jordan said, you know, I yeah. I totally agree with you. I totally mm-hmm. totally agree with you that that's a major problem with the movie. Is that like mm-hmm. like his like he loses someone who it, who should be important to him. Mm-hmm. And then he just kind the of the movie never addresses the movie never addresses yeah. that again. It, we don't see him be emotionally impacted by that. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't it doesn't increase the personal stakes for him at all. Yeah. That no, that he experienced no, no. that loss. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I would say that like watching the again watching the movie now this time, I was thinking to myself like, 
why is Artemis not the main character? Because she has <laughs> She's many, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, because she, and even in the movie, in the book and in the movie, I think mm-hmm. she, like in the movie she is I think she's a more interesting character than he is because mm-hmm. she has like she has she has more little motivations. I think that mm-hmm. she's a lot she's a lot more driven than him. She mm-hmm. is far more aware of yes, the Oasis is great, but it also has these problems that people aren't addressing because they want to they want to stay and be and remain happy in it. Yeah, she's very yeah. much the Hermione Granger of the story. <laughs> yeah. She is really yeah. Pulling all the like, she's 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 the foundation for which Harry Potter actually succeeds. I, I would but, say yeah, she's she's Joan of Arc, man. She's like Joan of Arc. Like she is Ooh. the she's the image behind which people begin to follow because yeah. she represents essentially here what is the opposition to IOI or innovative yeah. online industries that is led by uh, no one Sorrento, the man with two last names. <laughs> which makes him a villain because if you have two first names you're just an idiot you're horrible well, yeah and then I, I love the like i love when wade narrows like it's run by some dick we named nolan sorrento it's like yep okay well um, and i what i think is hilarious about him he's played by like 2000 yes yes like the perennial <laughs> bad guy of 2018 <laughs> oh yeah you know yeah. he's the, yeah there was like a yeah, I feel like Spies in Disguise was the last movie where he was like the go-to villain, and then it was like, oh, I mean, I'm, I'm, he's done other stuff, but yeah, like, there was like a three-year mm-hmm. period where every single major movie, almost every single major movie you saw, I was like, oh, they got Ben Mendelsohn to play the bad guy in this. <laughs> Un- yeah. We're redoing the passion, of. guys. We're going to redo the passion. Who do you play as Pontius Pilate? Guys, I got the perfect person for you. Also, funny story, we need someone to play Judas. Can he do both? Yeah. Um, it's going to be like, we'll, be like we'll Jack do... Nicholson in Mars Attacks. It's going to be a dual role. Yeah, we'll do motion capture for uh, for Judas. We'll do him in, in like in a mo-cap. Judas is going to be a cartoon character. Before we go too far off this, um, yeah, yeah. I don't again. I don't want to take away from like the artist yeah, discussion yeah. because again, she's yeah. she's a much better character. But I'm interested to hear like more about like what made Wade Watts because I again like I didn't read the book, okay. so I'm kind of just like, where's some of the like, before we go any further? Mm-hmm. Where's some of the like, character flaws that made him likable? Because okay. sometimes when characters start off with severe flaws and we see that change through a movie or through mm-hmm. a book, that's yeah. really good. Like I think of like Real Steel with uh, Hugh yeah. Jackman. Yeah. The Charlie yeah. character is a horrible character <laughs> to start off with. Like yeah. he's not a good guy. Even like yeah. the other good people in the movie are like, Charlie, you're not a safe bet. You're not good. <laughs> no, but we no. see that change as it goes on. So well, like before, I feel like when a character has those big flaws, that's an opportunity he, for growth in a movie. It, well, so. and, and before Kevin, before you get into it, I, I do want to mention this. So I did okay. read a, a small portion of of Ready Player One, Joe. Now, right. one of the big differences between the book and the movie is that the book spends almost like the first 100, like 150 pages just focusing on Wade Watts. And okay. so when I when I read the preview, I read this like this this very fleshed out. You can understand everything about Wade and what's going through his head. Um, the book itself actually goes much more into his relationship with like the schools that are also mm-hmm. in the Oasis because the education mm-hmm. system funnels through the Oasis. So interesting. It, right. You get much more of this in the book, and it also explains more of why he idolizes Artemis because he. You know, he mm-hmm. watches her from afar. He's got this adoration for her that okay. 
you yeah. basically it's get like, in like three minutes well, in the movie, right? So you're yeah, telling he, me that had I lived in this time, I would be teaching in the Oasis, and I could just boot my students out of the out of the whole thing. <laughs> probably, probably. I mean, yeah, yeah. No, pro- probably yes. No, but yeah, like that's it. Yep. Yeah, he, yeah, he, um, he, he's right. The, it does from the first 150 pages, literally just describing, like, characterizing Wade Watts, who he is, mm-hmm. and how the world functions, which is okay. Which so is fine. Yeah, um, so in that hundred pages, what makes Wade Watts like an unlikable person? Okay, so okay, so okay, so initially, initially when they're setting it up, that mm-hmm. isn't so much. The problem isn't as apparent. Okay, it's later on when like so, it's when he meets Artemis and starts interacting with her and starts having thoughts in his head about her and the way that he, the way that he perceives their relationship. The way okay. that it's written in the book is exceptionally creepy and stalkery and not romantic Ooh. in the slightest. And oh he be he is like he objectifies her mightily in the book. And the and that and again, if the book was trying and if this was a character father that the book recognized and if and if he learned not to do the other courses, that'd be fine. But mm-hmm. the problem with the book is that the book it 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 wants you to be on Wade's side. It wants mm-hmm. you to root for him to get Artemis when in when in actuality he is legitimately like stalking her and she she tells him off several times mm-hmm. and he doesn't he just won't take no for an answer. Oh, and so yeah, like so it goes, yeah. So in, in 2011, I can understand like why some like some publisher wouldn't notice it, but now mm-hmm. it's like yeah, it yeah, that, that does not mm-hmm. work at all. So no, no, it doesn't. Yeah, that doesn't work. And then well, yeah, it, yeah, it does. It's very it's, like yeah, it was just very creepy to read. Well, mm-hmm. but here here's another critical part of this, right? So in the mm-hmm. movie, it, things whittle down to trying to find these three keys that the founder of the Oasis, James Holiday, left behind for people to discover in the game. He left mm-hmm. some clues as to how to find it. So you find the first key, you get the next clue, right? Yeah. Um, one of the big key differentiators between the movie and the book is that when the first quote-unquote key is found, and I'll simplify this because there's a little <laughs> bit more going on in the book. Um, yeah. One of the things that they actually changed quite a bit in lieu of character development here is that once the first key gets found, the only complication is really finding the next key mm-hmm. in the book. They find the first key and then Wade gets caught up in the partnerships and the endorsements. And so he, it, he's a poor kid growing up who doesn't have, he lost his parents. Mm-hmm. doesn't really have any role models. Now he's trying to figure out, all right, well, I'm going to take the endorsements because money has been a problem for me since I have been alive. Mm-hmm. So we don't end up getting that between the you no, know in the no. movie so he, he goes all coach on bay and d2 it's, it's, on it's, it's entirely it's entire that section is entirely yeah that aspect of the plot is entirely absent which is weird which mm-hmm. is which is which is weird given how much of that section of the story it takes up like there's a great deal of detail yeah. given to all these sponsorships mm-hmm. and all this money and him being conflicted with himself about like okay i need to keep my eye on what the actual prize is but but and yeah like the movie doesn't do any of the movie doesn't acknowledge any of that i mean i think the closest mm-hmm. i think the closest that it gets is 
like there's a scene where Sorrento he has a like conference with Sorrento and he tries to like coax him into working for IOI and that scene is the closest the film ever gets to hinting at like that aspect of the plot in the book of like oh he's, he's a he's a famous guy now so sponsors are going after him <laughs> mm-hmm. well, um, but it it would make sense though i mean uh, cuz i, I yeah. think one of the the strongest parallels between that and things like professional gaming right because that's really yeah. what we're seeing here are these people that are jumping into this big mmo they're showing their skills and they're trying to get uh this this big prize and so to me i thought that parallel made sense that there would be sponsorships and corporate yeah you know, minds that would be trying to, you know, lasso these people in and, oh, yeah. and make as much money off of them. Oh yeah. It, it totally makes sense. And again, like, I think that one of, yeah, one of the strengths that the book has over the movie, though I, pref- though I prefer the movie more as an overall, as an overall thing, mm-hmm. the, what the book has over it is a sense of world building and kind of mm-hmm. mostly, and mostly like logical, follow-up point it's like okay so everyone in the world is a professional gamer now so of course all <laughs> yeah. these corporate sponsorships are going to be watching okay who are the best ones and who can we get behind financially and who can we see so yeah, like there's there's a surprising amount of work a surprising amount of like well sought out development of the universe that makes you wish that he wouldn't have made way for such a creep so that you could you know get more of that I, 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 I agree with you on this kevin because in the beginning of the film the majority of the world building for the oasis itself is mm-hmm. condensed into about you know like, like a 45 second to one minute yeah like montage yeah of what's going just, on yeah, like, yeah. And, and that's the thing like, the problem is like if you haven't like and this is one of the sayings this is one of the first instances I, where i think it the movie is geared very severely toward people who are gamers and pop culture people because that mm-hmm. opening in the Oasis is like you can go into Minecraft world and see all these things and climb Mount Everest with Batman, <laughs> and it's like mm-hmm. okay. And you're like if you're a, if you're a person who loves all that stuff, you're like that's great. If you're a person that isn't as into geek stuff or doesn't recognize it, you're like uh, okay. Yeah, the movie will seem pretty hollow because all those like, and a lot, the vast majority of the references are video game based. Yeah, and you, if you get a few like movie ones, like you get you Jurassic get Park and King Kong, but yeah, and a then, lot like, of it is video game. A lot of it's video game based, and like one, I think one reference they kept from the book, they changed a, n- a number of references from the book mm-hmm. to update it to now because it came out in 2011, yeah. and yep. that was in 2018. So they updated it so that they would be talking about stuff from 10 years ago or something, or 20 mm-hmm. years ago, not 30. But yeah. there's a moment where his best friend H is like, "You gotta get rid of that son about Mary haircut." I'm like, "Why are y'all still? Why? <laughs> yeah, yeah. For us, that, that. You guys doesn't even look like the it, mm-hmm. the haircut on the character design doesn't even look like that. Mm-hmm. For, like, us, for us, for us, that reference is like is dated by over 20 years. For yeah. them, that reference is dated almost 50. So, 50. so mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> how, how many? Yeah. How many movies yep. are we quoting that is 50 mm-hmm. years old at this point? <laughs> yep. None, none of us here. No, yeah, and that's the thing where mm-hmm. yeah, that's probably the most standout line of like you should have changed that to something else because yeah. again, it's 2045. I think that it's 
I think in the book it's like a little bit earlier in time. It's not 2045, mm-hmm. it's something else. Yeah, like this in the movie, it's 2045. So why are you referencing a movie from 1994 before you mm-hmm. were born? Like, yeah, know about this. Mm-hmm. And it, anyway, that, that's a that's a really that's a really small point. Though. Yep. And then although my my favorite reference made in the movie was not due to aging, it was actually due to copyright issues because they couldn't get the rights to that character to actually be used in the movie. So they had to change it. But yeah, uh, yeah, it was uh, for those of you who have read the book and people who did like there was Ultraman is supposed to pop up in the movie, but, uh, but they do play an homage to that in the, uh, in the movie when they talk about how uh, like uh, Kevin did a great job painting a picture of the Oasis. And they're talking about going from world to world at the start of the movie. There's this uh, basically this raid or this competition to get to the top of a mountain. So you can yeah. get this object that gives you any like giant robot form you want for three minutes. <laughs> yeah. And that's an homage to um, Ultraman who could only hold his giant form for three minutes at a time. Yeah. Uh, so that was their way of keeping that in. But thankfully for my, for people like myself, uh, we ended up getting the uh, the RX seventy eight two Gundam uh, at the end of the movie <laughs> as a yeah. special Ultraman. Yeah, and that and that that's a. Uh... Yeah, that, that that Gundam thing at the that mm-hmm. Gundam fight at the end of it is one of the I like that it I like that it's there because it, mm-hmm. it answers the question of a lot of the like a lot of the IPs that they show are like in the background. Mm-hmm. It's mostly yeah. like it's a, it's a lot of like American owned English language stuff. Yep. yep. And in the book and in the movie and in the little 45 minute for the same thing, but in the books they are like, they tell you people from everywhere all over the world are here. Mm-hmm. And so I appreciated that they did that Gundam thing. Cause it was like good because that, like, I wish there was more of that to show yeah. that there are people that it's not just people in America that mm-hmm. are in here. There's a lot of American characters in there, which is great, but it's like, it makes it it makes it feel a bit less like global than it could have. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, that was Gundam was a great point because there are plenty of people who don't know what it is because they said what the BBC World News or BBC Sports page just mm-hmm. did a tweet with um, saying that uh, competitive climbing was scary enough without a transformer gazing in on you, and it's a <laughs> picture <laughs> of, a, of an awesome Gundam oh, statue really? that Japan has that I've seen uh, in person, and it's uh, I love it. Uh, but it's just this Gundam staring at them like that's not a transformer. No, but that's cool. <laughs> well, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go, go ahead. Well, I was going to comment on this for a moment because um, we do get Mecha Godzilla, right? Like, yeah. so yeah. we at least get we get some of that. But, but the larger point here is that Steven Spielberg uh, had quite a few things he could put into this movie, but he even pulled it back a little, saying, "I don't want all of my own works to be in this because then it mm-hmm. feels like vanity." And yeah. and so even with him filtering out some of his most popular works, we're mm-hmm. still essentially being western washed yeah. with the references that we get which which makes sense to a point but but yeah you would think with a worldwide mmo like a global mm-hmm. mmo that you would see other things and maybe it just came down to licensing who knows well maybe and again i think that the i think the way that they i think the way that they use most of the characters like the way they cameo them it works like you know, like you know, King Kong shows up, and mm-hmm. you know, Iron Giant. Like you see a bunch of you see a bunch of really popular stuff, and it and it's fun and it works. Um, but yeah, I 
I th- I think the best sequence in the movie is uh, is like when they find the second key. Like even that. Like mm-hmm. even most people who don't like the movie, like most of them, admit like, yeah, this one little section right here by itself is amazing. Mm-hmm. And. So, Kevin, what you're pointing out here is when so the, for the first key, they kind of change this from the book, which we won't get into yeah, too much because otherwise yeah, we'll yeah. be talking book yeah, all day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so, so let's throw the book out now. Yeah, but, yeah. Now it's a good screw about his eye. No, but, well, but, but yeah, the they, first key is whittled down, though. The first key is whittled down mm-hmm. to basically like it's a race. You have to figure out how to win the race. No yeah. big deal. The second, the second uh, key is is a fairly convoluted and long reference thing in the book so they whittled this down even further Mm -hmm. to have it basically be set within uh the world of the shining and (laughs) and then weave in what's what's really a fairly compelling love story between uh james halliday the creator of the oasis and who would end up being his partner ogden morrow's future wife and they and they did a pretty good job with blending like horror and this this failed love story right I, I thought, yeah, I, I thought the for that particular sequence, yes, I think they they do a good job of like they do a good job of connecting like why how it makes sense based on how Halliday is characterized that he would be scared of doing what he couldn't do, and so yeah. putting her there and that that's kind of what the challenge is. I think as far as the love element goes in the movie, that's the that scene utilizes it best and it's actually scary. Like there's a, there's a tension in that sequence. It's not as much in the rest of the movie. And the, yeah, yeah like the imagery in it is terrifying. Like I saw it. I was like, good Lord. She did it. <laughs> uh, well, but relationships on their own can be very scary. Like they say, it's yeah. the leap not taken, right? The mm-hmm. leap not taken in the relationship for, for James Halliday is, is something that, it really shakes a lot of us, right? Like the, the idea of, of putting yourself out there and showing someone, you know, your, your full heart or your full mind, whatever it might be. Um, I think despite the horror and the, and those undertones in this, this sequence, it does balance really well because you can kind of feel that inner struggle of holiday here and and what it did to him. Yeah. You can, you can tell that it, it's a decision that haunted him. And so it's kind of, and now it haunts this place, which again, I think yeah. it connect, it kind of, it does a, it's a good way to have like the heroes learn a little bit more about him that you can't find in like the, the holiday servers or anything like that. Like you need, yeah, it's a good emotional beat for the holiday character. Um, and also I love that they got Simon Pegg to play Ogden Morrow, and I didn't yes. realize it was. No, it was like, I didn't realize it was Simon Pegg at all until the credits. Yeah. Went. I was like, oh mm-hmm. my god, that's. A, I didn't recognize him at all. Mm-hmm. And yeah, for like he's got limited screen time, relatively, but he when he's on it, when he's on, he's really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's fun to see. Like again, like I always like it when actors are cast and they can display range, as opposed to hey. Will Ferrell did this, and this is not a bad <laughs> Will Ferrell thing, but like, hey, Will Ferrell was funny. Let's have him do the same thing, but in this other movie. So mm-hmm. you get yeah. Simon Pegg, who's like traditionally been like, you know, goofy, fun movie time. And in here, 
we don't see a character like that at all. Um, no, we've got dude. different depth. We've got emotional weight going on with him. And he does a great job doing it here. Now, yeah. For, for a moment, I think it's really important to point this out that part of James Halliday leaving these clues in the game is basically holding this like library of Halliday within the Oasis that you can go view. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they mentioned that it's like security footage, uh, nanny cam footage. Oh, and... yeah. That's... <laughs> Why did he keep and, a and... nanny cam? He made that decision. He's like, yeah, I'll put that in here for people yep. to use. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No telling what they're but... going to use it for, but it's here. Yeah. It, it's great. Sorry, though, because it, yeah. it, it gives you such a quick and like truncated context of the relationship between Halliday and Morrow. Um, mm -hmm. which which adds to that depth, Joe. It adds to the depth of the relationship between these two characters. And I think it's really a credit to Simon Pegg and Mark Rylance, or, uh, and yeah, I believe. Yeah, yeah, I Mark, believe Mark, 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 yeah Mark Rylance is, is mm -hmm. Holiday. He, he's been knighted as well, Mark Rylance. Oh, has, he has? So. Oh, yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah. He's, uh, yeah, I think that... Yeah, I think that... Uh, and, I think that Mark Rylance does a really good job of playing him as this super socially awkward, reclusive guy mm -hmm. who you can't, you know, like we, we see guys like this in the world who are like, they're, they're socially awkward, but they're, they're geniuses who build all these amazing pieces of technology. Mm -hmm. Yeah. See, I think that, see, like the way that they characterized him, it was like, that was good. I was, I appreciated that. Uh, and, there's only one of two more times I reference to book, I promise. But like, <laughs> oh, in the, I swear, there's like one time and then one more time and then I promise I won't. But like, I liked it in the book. They they point out that it was discovered that Halliday was on the autism spectrum, mm -hmm. which in the movie they don't. And in the first movie, when I saw the movie the first time, I was, I'm on the autism spectrum as well. Like I know other people on the spectrum, but I yeah. didn't know that that character was supposed to be when I first saw it. And then when I read the book later, I was like, oh, okay, so he must have read this book. And, you know, he is playing him as a guy on the spectrum. And I thought he is a little stereotypical, but he does a good job with the performance of it. Like, he totally sells that. Mm -hmm. And it's it's interesting, too, because you can see where his mind travels, right? Like, there's a scene where they, they're talking about the Oasis technology and his his mind is off somewhere else. Like he's just kind of staring into blank space. Yeah. And, and then he, he cracks a joke 10 seconds later about if you, if you look under your seats, you'll see that nothing is there. Yeah. <laughs> we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna pass around the tech now. And it's like, yeah. to me, it made sense. Like, like I, I didn't know the context of the, him being on the spectrum from the book. Um, I, I do think it's a bit of a lost uh, opportunity though, to further add some depth to him. Um, and, and really give people something to identify with because well, I mean, yeah. that's, that's, that's a huge lost opportunity there. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and again, like when I read that, because Wade mentions it offhandly in the book, like, Oh, and 25 years later, he found he was autistic. And I was like, why did they not say that? Because if they had, if they had put that in there at a would have it, 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 like you said, it would have given mm -hmm. people some, some to identify with, and it would have explained why he's acting the way he does, you know, and not come off like, in case people don't know what the autism spectrum mm -hmm. is, I feel like he could come off as just a weird dude who has mm -hmm. an odd speech pattern. 
So yeah, I wish they would have left that detail in there. Yeah, because, this is just to flesh him out a little bit and explain why his performance mm-hmm. is pitched at the cadence that it is. Yeah, and, and yeah, why and, it's even and why it's mm-hmm. so impre- it's it's that much more impressive because I think mm-hmm. he does a really really good job um, yeah. with his portrayal and and uh, I think it would even help to better understand once again this this fear of taking mm-hmm. that of that jump and and yeah. there's so many things in his head he's trying to. You know, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say balance out, but like it's, yeah, that would just be huge context to have to, well, to yeah. help. Yeah. Yeah. And again, when I read that, I was like, I cannot believe you got this. That mm-hmm. it helps the character makes so much more sense in yeah. every action that he takes. But although I wonder, I wonder if one of the reasons why is almost like a Tropic Thunder reason. If you remember well, Tropic Thunder, yeah. and Stiller's it, character well, who like basically yeah, tried yeah, doing an Archer movie. Yeah. No. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I wonder so if it may have been a simple Jack. Like, this, is this no, guy trying too I, hard? He's gone no, too far. I, or I feel like, for me, I feel like. I'm fine with Tropic Thunder doing what it does with that to a point. Oh, well, yeah. Only, be, only because like, they're very aware that it's not mm-hmm. right and that yeah. actors do that kind of yep. thing. To like, yep. I get, I oh, get yeah. the joke. Mm-hmm. In, in Ready Player One, I don't, it doesn't come off to me as offensive or like mm-hmm. mishandled. It just comes off like you should have had this detail about this character so that you could have given him a little bit more depth. Um, and it doesn't take away necessarily from him to not have the context, but, no. but it, it, but it does, it does once again kind of transform this character. I mean, the, the depiction that Rylance kind of goes with is, is brilliant. I mean, it's, it's, it's immediately something that you can recognize. that's totally different from everyone else in the yeah. movie itself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's a credit just to Rylance and his, his ability to yeah. harness all these things. And, Absolutely. um, and so, yeah, totally. I'm in love with his performance in this movie. Yeah, if you can't tell. No, <laughs> he, no, no, you know, his, no, his his performance is his performance is one of the his performance is one of the like most standout elements of it because it is like totally all in there. Mm-hmm. And it would have been really, really easy for the wrong person to come in and kind of overplay it or make it yeah. just uncomfortable to watch or kind of mm-hmm. just goofy. And I feel like he kind of finds a he finds a decent middle ground between like this isn't entirely accurate, but it's not again, it's it's not like offensive or yeah. misinformative yeah. either. Mm-hmm. Done responsibly. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, yeah. it's done it's done well enough. Uh, mm-hmm. and the other my other favorite performance in the thing is Olivia Cook's Artemis, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um I you know I think that she, I think, again, I think the way she's written is good and the way that she communicates the character's energy is really strong too. Mm-hmm. Well, but also it's it's kind of a, a good time to point out the weaknesses between, you know, Wade Watts, whose parents are both dead. Yeah. And, and, and so are her, like mm-hmm. her, her, at least her father's her, her, dead. Her, 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 we don't, we don't yeah. know. We don't learn anything about her mother and either. We don't learn anything about her mother, but her, yeah. her father is dead. But, but like her father having died in one of IOI's loyalty centers, which for folks who haven't yeah. seen this is basically indentured mm-hmm. servitude to yeah. pay back your debt. Right. Um, yeah. Which, yeah. It's, yeah. So that's, what that, what that does to her 
is is something that everybody can immediately relate to, understand, and and there's not even like uh, you know twenty minutes of context here. It's a pretty yeah. quick yeah. <laughs> conversation. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a quick, it's a quick it's a quick conversation. She deli she delivers it emotionally, and immediately you're like, yeah, I'm totally with you. Like, yeah, go get them. Mm -hmm. Like you, you totally relate to her and as to like why she's doing what she's doing, why she's so passionate about it. Mm -hmm. yeah. And again, I think like I they couldn't have made her the main character without like heavily restructuring the entire thing because mm -hmm. it is like Wade is like the hero at the center of it. But I think that she does a she does a really great job with with her part and makes a great impression as a character that you want to follow around for reasons you can relate with. Yeah. And I think maybe uh, clearly she has that effect on Wade. Well, it's true because his, his aunt just dies and he does yeah. not give a fuck. Yeah. No. Like, no. <laughs> I am more concerned over yeah. Artemis yeah. at this yeah. point than my actual family. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. Like I said, like you killed my mom's sister. I'm like, Wow. Okay. Wow. Thank you. Can't wow. even say aunt. Yeah. Emotion. Okay. Yeah. My yeah. emotional <laughs> devastation is heartrending. Like, yeah, that's the thing. Like, it's so like, it's it it's so it undercuts like our investment in him mm -hmm. because he only cares about winning this game and getting the girl. Yeah, and even at the end, even at the end, when he, you know, when he's like leading, it's like, like, no, I don't believe that yep. you care about everyone. <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. well, I believe that you care about yeah. you and your and mm -hmm. your girl that you've the, like, yeah. The, the, that we don't have the context of for why you love her no, so much. No, no, watching her no, no, like that's the thing. Like she, like, like that, like that's the thing. Like in the in the in the beginning, he's like, "Oh my god, I've seen all her Twitch streams and I've watched all YouTube videos and I've I've, I've watched it because I was like, so you are a fan of her. That that yep. doesn't mean love, sir. Like I'm a fan <laughs> of several YouTubers. I'm not like in love with them though. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, the way they establish it in the movie, I'm like, oh, so he's he's a fanboy of her. Mm -hmm. That Pretty doesn't much. mean love. <laughs> no. no, I mean I no. I want to know what love is myself, but I don't think it's that. No, yeah. and again, <laughs> like one of my one of my favorite lines in the movie is like when they go out on a date and she and you know she tells him like you know you only see what I want you to see and you know yeah. I, I wrote this down I don't remember what it was like she basically says like you're in love with the idea of me that I'm presenting to you and everyone else here. You don't know what I actually look like, who I actually am, mm -hmm. how, you know, and yeah, anyway, his friend H is even like, for all you know, he could be like a, she could be like a 30 year old kind of basically yeah. named Chuck. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, it's yeah. a solid level two breakup line of, you don't love me. You love the idea of me yeah. um, <laughs> going on. And it's a real, it's a very it real problem that people have in online relationships, right? Well, like, like you, yeah. you don't, you don't know, like, especially I've seen people that fell in love over MMOs who fell in oh. love, uh, you know, d d behind an avatar. Right. So, yeah. um, 
it makes sense to me that this this thing would still happen in 2045, right? Like yeah. you're 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 enamored with someone's veneer, you're enamored with what they show you. Uh, but her point is totally dead on that. Yeah, you don't you don't know who I am. You just love what you see. And mm -hmm. I think once again, this is a very strong point for why Samantha Cook is really the better main character, at least uh, in the movie uh, depiction. Uh, uh, <laughs> than uh, uh, yeah, yeah, Samantha. Yeah. Um, yeah. Again, I think that the I think the movie is at its strongest when it is acknowledging things like that that are very real like people yeah. don't know what each other what they look like behind ammos they know them by their hashtags and their usernames mm -hmm. and you know the it promote the movie promotes the idea ultimately that like you know you can't you can't be absorbed into pop culture all the time like you need to have you actual need to relationships have, you need to have actual <laughs> relationships with people Again, I think, and that is the aspect of the movie that, again, I think it could have been executed better. But the fact that it's even there speaks a lot more loudly now, mm -hmm. because you know people have, a lot of people have had to have major relationships with others, like communicating over Twitter or online. You know, people aren't able to physically see each other now yeah. as much, and so. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I feel like there's probably a lot more relationships that are just completely over the keyboard. And so the fact that this this movie is trying to point out like that's not that shouldn't be your ideal relationship goal to just mm -hmm. only befriend people online over geek stuff. It's like that that's, that's a not really, enough. That's a really good point. Mm-hmm. And I will, so I really appreciate the movie for that. I think the movie does a much better job. The movie does a really good job of that. The book doesn't for various reasons. But yeah, the movie earns a point for that in the way that it goes about it. And that's what I think is interesting about this movie is that it's it's visually stunning. You know, mm -hmm. there's for for the people that are the pop culture nerds like like us literally on this yeah, call. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, I, yeah, I, yeah. I love all that. I love it. Yeah, so yeah. I, I remember like I was in the scene like, oh my god, Beetlejuice is over there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, the, I see that like Ninja Turtles at one point. It's like I yeah. I, I'm I'm seeing a reference to Borderlands on like a yeah, really uh, quick pan mm -hmm. of the of the camera. Like yeah, like like, like, <laughs> like, the, like the swarm of Master Chiefs storming. I'm like, that's mm -hmm. cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, you got what yeah. Tracer from Overwatch was storming the, uh, yes. the castle at the last sec was kind of fun. Uh, yeah, and you from Street Fighter, by the way, uh, was there too. Like, all this stuff was great, and, and not to mention, um, the the orb of Asavox. Uh, I, I actually don't know what I actually don't know what that was referencing. Like, I got that it was supposed to be a reference to something, but I, I don't know what that was referring to. So, so the orb of Asavox. Um, some people have theorized that that the name might reference like Ohio State University. OSU is in uh, part of it, right? Um, mm -hmm. Others have pointed to the fact that um, the chant that they do is is from the movie Excalibur, and oh, so it is? Uh, oh, okay, all right. Yeah, I haven't yeah. seen Excalibur yet, so that again, I understood like this is probably a reference to something. I just don't mm -hmm. know it. Yeah, well, it's it's really cool because it's 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 multi layered, right? And I think that's yeah. what is really nice about pop culture references is that if you see the surface level of something, like you do in a like what we talked about with the relationship between Wade and Samantha, mm -hmm. the 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 surface isn't isn't the full story, right? If you just saw Asavox right. and you're like, 
that looks weird. I don't know what that is. Mm-hmm. But then you look into the chant for how to activate it. You realize it's a quote from Excalibur and it's actually Gaelic as well. Like, <laughs> oh. like it's so I think that's like a really good way to look at this is that, yeah, what you see isn't isn't all that's there. There's a lot more beneath the surface iceberg yeah, that's, analogy. That's some ogre level layering going on there. <laughs> This is a giant onion of an analysis. Um, yeah, that, but yeah, I think, but yeah, the, the yeah, I, I appreciate that those are. I appreciate that those are there. That at least, like, even if I even if I didn't understand them or know what they were, they at least make sense in the movie. It's like, okay, we need the the orb of Osvox. Okay, it's some powerful thing that the bad guys want, and this chant thing is what they use to activate. Like, you can connect what these things to each other even if you don't yeah. know what exactly it is like what exactly they're referring to yep yeah. which is and, and which is good the, and that's and why then you get items like, this like or, the holy hand oh, grenade oh. of antioch so oh. like, where everyone <laughs> recognizes them <laughs> which was a lost that was a wasted opportunity because mm-hmm. there is nothing about what you have to count to before yeah, you there's no that. counting involved in that all oh. you don't go all the way to five that's too much one two <laughs> Five, three, sir, three. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. yeah. I, th- yeah, the, yeah, the way, yeah, the references, are, the references are, are pretty, are pretty well handled. They're, mm-hmm. they're laden in it if you recognize them, and if you don't recognize them, you're not gonna. I don't think you'll be as invested, but you can at least follow what's happening most of the time. Yeah, that's a that's a great point, Kevin, because that's that's kind of where I was going to steer towards is that even though this movie has so many things that you could just jot down, I mean, there's there's well over like 130 references within this movie. I didn't want to count that. (laughs) I I don't I'd be afraid to. It's like I need about I need about 10 years. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in my hubris, I was thinking. All right, why don't I just go through and read every reference in this movie? But then I thought we don't have that much time. No, and... we don't have that time. <laughs> <laughs> um, but here, here's the here's the point I think is uh, at least this is my take on the movie because yeah. there's a lot of different people out there who have rated a certain way, and we will too at the end of this yeah. conversation. But but I think what was uh, was really a strength of this movie, outside of the fact that we don't get strong character development, yeah. is that. Um, like Kevin, like you mentioned, there are very important points that they make about, you know, the, the importance of spending time outside of these things, actually dealing with the real problems in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then at the core of this film, plot plot issues aside, mm-hmm. we've got very, very strong acting um, from top yeah. to bottom. Yeah, from um, everyone. Yeah, gorgeous, gorgeous cinematography, once again, mm-hmm. on the strength of, of Janusz Kaminski. And I, I would say it's it's actually um, an achievement in a lot of ways visually, um, you know, because of how much they could fit into the screen at any given time, um, mm-hmm. which is a testament to what Steven Spielberg mentioned that I think he said this is the third toughest movie I've ever had to make. Oh, no, and it, and it looks like it because there's, mm-hmm. there's so, yeah, like there's so much stuff happening. Mm-hmm. in most of the shots in this like there like, there are very few moments where the movie really calms down a bit and th- those moments are yeah. great like mm-hmm. those moments are great and are some of my favorites in the movie but yeah for like probably 90 percent of it there's always yeah. something in the background or some special effect or something mm-hmm. moving around and it's like i can't imagine no. how he went around mm-hmm. directing this and how zach penn 
you know, worked with Ernest Klein to condense this thing down to something that was like followable to mm-hmm. people and made m- mostly made sense. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, like world building and characterization aside, like, if anything, it's fun. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, like all the another thing, like all this, all this details, like the, the themes and all. This is all done in a very like fun blockbustery package way. Like there's action, yeah. there's a ton of action in this. It's like very popcorn centric. I mean, yeah, it it's it's a blockbuster movie, but if you if you look like if you pay attention to like if you pay attention to it, there are there are moments in it where it where it is trying to get at things that it didn't have to. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's kind of on the on the topic of once again trying to fit in as many references that made sense. Um I actually can't believe it took us that long to mention uh Klein. I don't think we I don't think he's Oh the no, no, we didn't. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah, no. Ernest Klein. Ernest Klein, <laughs> the the writer of the, the writer of this book and uh Ready Player Two and other yeah. things that shall not be mentioned. But like um yeah. But yeah, he. Uh, yeah, I I don't know how much I don't know how much of the script he wrote and how much of the script the, the other guy wrote. Oh, Zach Penn. And, yeah, yeah, Zach Penn, and he's he's written yeah. a bunch of like blockbusters. Like, but yeah, yeah, the, he wrote the I, yeah I, the I Avengers, like, the screenplay yeah, for the, the Avengers, like, yeah, the, the Avengers and the Incredible Hulk and a bunch of other stuff. I feel like I feel like the stuff in the movie that works best is like are the changes that they make to it. So that it's a more like so it's a so it's a better movie. It's like mm-hmm. they change it's like they change up, you know, they make Wade a, a lot more likable, they make you know, they make kind of changes to the key stuff in terms of the story and what it and what they are and what they do. Because yeah, I read those and I was like, Thank God they changed them. <laughs> um, <laughs> the book makes some very deep Dungeons and Dragons book, references. Oh no, again, I just skipped past it. I was like what is he doing? Like, I've never heard. Wait, that's what he's doing. You're kidding me. All this detail for this. Yeah. And so, yeah. The, yeah. So yeah, again, the movie, the change, the strongest points are the changes that it makes to make it a more satisfying and, you know, digestible mm-hmm. movie. I think the week, the few weak spots are like when it, when it has to condense world building down, and the romance between the two of them, I don't think works really. Like the romance doesn't work because the source material they're pulling from was problematic, and so they don't have a ton that they can draw from to mm-hmm. flesh it out, unless they made up a bunch of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, the romance almost becomes like an '80s movie, you know? Yeah, like, it, it, it is an '80s <laughs> movie because, like, she's like, "No, I don't literally, love you. right?" But, and then, but then the end of it, the last she's like, it's like, uh, uh, what? <laughs> you see the entire movie being this like very, like, yeah. The, the third act of this turns into an A's movie. It's like, we gotta rescue the girl, guys. I'm like, yeah. Re- really, we're doing that. That yeah. Well, I mean, all okay. the, so many other like tropes and references came from the '80s for that movie anyway. Why well, not stick that well, in there? Yeah. I mean, again, yeah. I, I, I'm just, not like excusing it, like, but no. It's well, yeah, it did. It, 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 it just was like, yeah. I I think that the the inter- like the IOI loyalty center scene is really. Mm-hmm. I think that's where the movie takes a 
a needed kind of dark turning point because of the the first half of this, I was thinking like when I saw the first time, I'm like, okay, so is this just a really, really like violent '80s kids movie? Mm-hmm. And then it gets to the Iowa Lori scene, I'm like, oh no, okay, no, this is they're not because yep. again, I thought for a long time like, okay, this is a kids movie. How much of are kids gonna know or care? And then it gets to that, and you're like, uh, never mind. Actually, never mind. Okay. <laughs> and even, I like that. I like that they they went there and showed that. I I don't think I don't think that they there's a section in the there's a section in the book where they kind of do it, but I feel like seeing it visually is a little bit more impactful because the way it, mm-hmm. again, the way the world is designed and. The way that the sequence is shot and Luca's acting, and yeah, like that scene is really powerful and sticks out. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I do want to say um, that despite some of the areas of the plot that they really just truncate yeah, just, and yeah. crank up, right? Um, mm-hmm. They they do leave us with once again some very important themes, whether it is the regret of Halliday or. Um, the lessons behind starting to cut corporate ties and getting away from that. Um, mm-hmm. And then, and then Wade learning the lessons of these people through their memories and, and through the things that they made public. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. that's what kind of makes up for some of these other shortfalls in the movie. And one point I'll make before um, we get to our personal reviews, mm-hmm. when, when mm-hmm. we give it the scores yeah. here. I think I think the most compelling aspect of this movie is something that really tugged at my heartstrings from the Assassin's Creed trilogy that involved uh, Ezio Auditore, one of my favorite video game characters okay. of all time. Well, yeah, I'm actually I actually playing Assassin's Creed two right now. I've got no nice. Oh, yeah, nice. I'm playing that. I'm playing that one. He's a he's. I mean, yeah, he's a he's more interesting to follow around than Altair. <laughs> I, well, I like Altair. I like Altair from. I was like, yeah, this guy's a lot more charismatic and funny, and mm-hmm. he has a more distinctive personality to him. I'm, I'm more invested in following him than I am in Altair. You are to go here and kill this man. <laughs> well, kill this man. Now you have your lives back. Kill this I, man. I don't want to ruin too much for you if you're going to play yeah. it, but th- this line is really poignant, and I'll, I'll mention it. Yeah. Um, Ezio mentions that that he's blessed to be able to tell stories across centuries. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is one of the most important aspects of this is that Halliday gets to tell his story to people years after his death. And there's, there's something about the ability to, to share stories across history. That's really spellbinding, right? Or, or mm-hmm. it's really, yeah. it's, it's crazy because there's a part of you that, that wants that wants Halliday to still exist somehow. You you love his character so much. You get so attached to him that you hope in some way or some form mm-hmm. at the end of all this, is this guy still alive? I want him to be alive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, like his story is that compelling. Mm-hmm. So, um, but tell you what, as a as a way to wrap this up, and Kevin, mm-hmm. we will let you have the first crack since yeah. you're our guest. I, uh, yeah, what's, what's, I... what's what's your rating for this movie? So my my rating for this is the same that it was when it like when I first saw it three three years ago, which is like the mo- while I was 
I think the the visuals are great, and the the visuals and the action sequences are like are spellbinding, and the the acting is great, and the ideas that they touch upon whole give it weight that it I don't think it had as much like when it first came out, but as time's gone on, these things have become more a little bit more in the public eye, and so it yeah. I don't know it connects more emotionally on that. On those ideas, uh, the the character, the lack of character development and world building do hold it like it does. It they really do kind of hold it back though, because like you know, again, like, if the scenes weren't if the scenes weren't there and the animation wasn't great, it would be a problem. And I'm interested. I'm interested to see like how the animation looks in like five years or something, mm-hmm. because I feel like if the animation ever looks bad it's going to be a really big problem for the movie. But for now, I, I give it a, I give it a three out of five, which is average only again, because the world building and the character stuff isn't as good as it could be. And the, some of the, some of the messages are really well handled and others. I feel like they could have written better in the way that they were talked about. Mm-hmm. I would again. I would recommend it absolutely if you are a fan of like this pop culture or like just you know like movies or games or stuff like that. If you're not, I don't think you'll get as much out of this, but the action will still entertain you. Yep. Perfect. Yeah, Joe. What What mm-hmm. about you? What are, What are your thoughts on a on All five, right. on a five scale here? What do you think? Five scale here, uh, because we'll go with obscure references. I'm gonna give this. 3.5 troll dolls out of five troll dolls on this one. <laughs> um, and uh, further to the same reason we talked about is because even though like um, world building is kind of weak, character development is definitely weak in this, um, at no point do I not care about any of the characters. I still hmm. I still want Way to succeed. I still want to see... Um, um, why am I forgetting her name? Artemis, the Artemis, Artemis, Samantha. Yeah. Samantha. I want, yeah, Samantha. I want Samantha to be avenged in this movie and for her to get justice that she's seeking mm-hmm. um i want all of our characters that we're supposed to like i do like all of them so it does well with that and like the fanfare in this is like the gundam alone made me love this movie and oh, the yeah. fact that like yeah. it wasn't just like a passing scene like or just a passing reference that it had an actual like key part of this yeah like it was huge and like the only live action looking thing i've had before that for gundam was g savior and it's something that's so bad, even Bandai likes to pretend that it hasn't happened. So, um, yeah. So, like, that's why I'm I'm going three three point five. So, for me, I'm, me, I'm going just slightly above average. Yeah. It's a favorable fun movie. Not gonna yeah. go quite to the four or five area. But yeah, three point yeah. five troll dolls out of five troll dolls is where I'm nice. sitting. Yeah. For me, that's so not to copy you, Joe, that's that's mm-hmm. basically where I went to with this. So yep. 3.5 out of 5 is where I'm at because of some of the things we've mentioned. Visually stunning movie. Uh, the music is all we, I can't believe we forgot to mention the music. Uh, yeah, uh, Al, Alan Silvestri is behind the music. Um, mm-hmm. Also collaborated with Spielberg. He did the music for Back to the Future. So a lot right. of his undertones are on display here. Uh-huh. Um, but for, for some of the areas outside of character development, um, I think they did do a good job with the lesson of unplugging, which I'm guilty of. I need to do more of that. Yeah. Um, and living more in the real world, which um, is a point they don't exactly make until it's like the last 30 it, seconds it, it, of the movie. It, it, it's, it's too late. Like when they, like when they made that, I was like, 
that would have been such a great point if you had set it up more earlier. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, this, this here. Well, and, and, and make the point early so that you can reinforce the decision-making of everybody in the yep. movie to yeah, kind yeah. of relate to it, you know? Yeah, like the, yeah, the decision that they make at, at the, when he's nearing the last bit, the decision, they're like, why did you make that decision? I, I have no idea why you made that decision. <laughs> yeah, That doesn't make any sense. Like, it didn't yeah, make we, sense in either version of this. It's like, what, why? <laughs> yeah. We, we never talk about a desire to shut down the Oasis, you know, no, a few times a week. But, no. Even, like, even yeah. Artemis didn't do that. Mm -hmm. you know, if, if somebody would have done it, it, it would have been like, I would have bought it if she had said, okay, let's do it. But because it's him, I was like, I do not buy that you would want to do that. <laughs> yeah. I just spent At all, two actually. hours watching you dick around and enjoying what? yourself in the Oasis. I, in I, 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 just, I, just spent, I spent two hours like watching you run around cutscenes. Like what? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, why do why do you want to get out of it? Like, I mean, yeah, like, like they, they show that you can do things in the Oasis where it's like, okay, you can do this here. Again, why do you want to leave? Why do you, as a character, want to leave it? What have you? Yeah. How have you changed to come to that mindset? Yeah, yeah. You legitimately have to tra traverse your living arrangement with a well-placed rope, and you have to go past a woman <laughs> who is dancing <laughs> on a pole. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love that. It's like, like the opening shot where he's like, he's like, he's like doing like, like mini parkour off of trailer park posts to get down <laughs> to his to his van, and I'm like. Or to his game, I'm like, how have you not broken your leg by misjudging a jump at some point? Yeah, <laughs> like, this entire structure is gonna like fall over with you on mm -hmm. it at some point. Like, so yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I think clearly what we have here is just what we'd call the bleeding effect from all of his time spent in. Oh, very the, true. Animus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That way. <laughs> it's all just muscle memory. He can he yes. can do everything he does in the Oasis. Yeah, he, well, he can. It's <laughs> well, Kevin, we, we appreciate you for one reaching Thank out you. to us about mm -hmm. this and two joining us today to break down this film. I, I think you know we some very great points are made today about why this movie it is is a great popcorn movie and it's very entertaining mm -hmm. but there are some some things they could fix and we're very careful on this show not to just tear down something to tear it down right and so no, no um, i don't yeah i don't i there are very very rare cases mm -hmm. where i will like, tear something down to do it like i don't i don't go into movies wanting to dislike them like i go into everything like trying to meet it on whatever level it's trying mm -hmm. to be at and you know i always try to be you know again i, I don't i'm not gonna like if the movie's not trying to be an epic thing i'm not gonna go see it for mm -hmm. not like look if you want to be a fun popcorn movie then fine just if you yeah. can do that successfully then i will enjoy it if you want to get at some deeper ideas but half-ass them then yeah that's a problem because you shouldn't bring mm -hmm. things up unless you want to commit fully to them oh yeah absolutely mm. but and you know that that strengths and weaknesses this movie's got a little bit of both but hey yeah um uh less movie related uh kevin yeah. in a completely unweighed watts way where could our listeners find you on the internet 
uh, if they want to hear more from you. <laughs> All right. Uh, if you want to hear, if you want to read more of my thoughts, you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, Facebook and Instagram are Kevin the Critic. Twitter is uh, Twitter hashtag is at Kevin underscore the Critic. And you can read my you can read my full length film reviews at kevinthecritic.com. All right. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, again, thank you so much for coming today. Really fun chatting with you about a pretty fun movie. Great popcorn <laughs> flick. Uh, and uh, yeah. yeah, good times. Great oldies. Great, great times. <laughs> Digital dissection. Great times. <laughs>
But at least in that one, Brent Spiner's hair looked like it should have. Like it didn't. It wasn't like an oddly placed on wig. Uh, mm -mm. Poor, poor Data didn't deserve weird hair that he got in Picard. So if you haven't stopped in and listened to their musical expertise, um, the music of the movies that we love, uh, yeah, go check them out again. They are fantastic, entertaining, and very, very well educated. And I would, I would dare to wager know more what they're talking about than we do yeah yeah well and another uh quick kudos to uh to chris he actually just uh created the original motion picture soundtrack for uh legends uh a friday the 13th tale so that music is out there you can listen to that now uh so definitely hats off to to chris it's a great achievement and we're we're absolutely over the moon for you here Heck yeah, man. Out, so absolutely um yeah but, uh, uh yeah yeah, other than that, um, we did uh, get a nice, comfy, cheap seat review um, happening a few weeks ago, where I believe it should be airing soon with uh, our buddy Sean, where we talk about uh, Master and Commander yes, across the, the world. Is that what it is? What's the rest of that title? Like, it keeps going. Ah. It's more than it should. Like, they could have just stopped at Master and Commander and would have been fine. But it was Master and Commander... Sure. It's like the far eastern, the, the what is it, the far side of the far, world or something like that. That sounds right, the far side of the world. Let's yeah. go with that. Let's go with that. <laughs> it's it's the if you if you know it's the endearing story of Russell Crowe and his tugboat tugger going around the world, <laughs> fighting people, or or it's about a British ship uh, tasked to take out a uh, Yank-made French ship, the Acheron going around sinking things uh so if you haven't stopped by cheap seat reviews for a great conversation on some of our some of our favorite movies which by the way totally jealous they did real steel without me um yeah but at the same time ah oh, great movie and great movie master and commander so if you haven't got cheap seat reviews recently uh don't uh, don't forget about our buddy sean go check him out yeah, and actually, uh, this was a fairly harrowing review that we did because we didn't know if Joe was actually going to survive <laughs> that that interview. So uh, we'll, we'll yeah. let you guys listen in and find out if Joe survives, even though he's here right now talking to us. Uh, well, but, <laughs> could, be, it in. could be a time variant. We don't know because I am wearing <laughs> glasses now, and that's a new development. <laughs> well... Well, folks, we're, we're, we're not going to, once again, uh, give you a preview of what next week is. But definitely stay tuned because we actually have some pretty big announcements coming up with some very fun guests. Um, and so rather than, than uh, blow our wad here, mm -hmm. uh, sorry to create that visual. No, that was <laughs> uh, but, but yes, we've got some very big announcements on the way. Mm -hmm. So stay tuned. Uh, take a look at our social media. And until next time, keep on dissecting. Anything you want to add, Chelsea? Chelsea? Uh, I we miss Chelsea. We Those really damn weddings. Really miss Chelsea. Don't worry, she'll she'll come back. We we hope. <laughs>